Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to the Yurt Podcast. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. I'm Elliot Steinley. I'm a general manager for the Food Truck League. Okay, and then what exactly do they do? So the Food Truck League, uh, the short explanation is we connect people with food in a way that uh, helps people eat. They get they get delicious food, and we focus on just having a great experience. So finding a food truck is hard. Yeah. There are 300 in, in northern Utah, and how do you pick which one, and what if they cancel on you? So we help smooth that out, help keep people happier, take take work off their plate and work for them so that they don't have to worry about picking through 100 food trucks to figure out which one's good. So what type of uh, styles of food do you bring? Like oh, everything? Or? Yeah, we worked with 160 food trucks last year. So like all, you know, Jamaican food, uh, along with like pizza, you know, taco trucks, all food that you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite out of all of it? Oh, man, it's hard to say. It's Jamaica's kitchen is fantastic. They do jerk chicken. He's um, an immigrant, uh, moved over here with his wife. He works in Deer Valley as a chef up there in the winter, and in the summer he runs his food truck. And it's like the just very authentic Jamaican food. It's delicious. But it honestly just depends. If I feel like pizza, I've got my favorite pizza truck. If I feel like tacos, I, feel, I have my favorite taco truck. Is there are a lot of good ones. Yeah. So what are some good ones to find out here oh man what's what's your favorite food type what's your favorite food ah man i don't know you know honestly since i've been to utah i haven't tasted like we went to a mexican restaurant and i i swear they had spaghetti sauce in the burrito <laughs> it was like you know it was uh not because we're from southern california so you got you know very authentic mexican yeah, food out there for sure yeah um, so my favorite Mexican food, south of the border tacos, they're in Utah Valley. Okay. Um, they're great. Silver Moon uh, Taqueria, his catering is is divine. He has a full setup, uh, full bar, chips and salsa, guacamole. It's it's fantastic. Um, the guy that started the Food Truck League, and I'm blanking on the name, um, it starts with an F, but it's a... a farm-to-table food truck they do a lot of like a fisher brewery now um but he says they're the best damn tacos i've ever had and yeah. they're like yeah just different kind of his broccoli not broccoli cauliflower and something else tacos and they're they're just like gourmet deliciousness like you can't go wrong but yeah they're they're obviously taco trucks are super super common but there's some good ones yeah no i i mean right up here on that main boulevard in midvale um i've noticed they have like some two or three like like taco. little pull behind trailers yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, i mean they were standing out there it was like 20 degrees outside <laughs> last weekend there's just there's no one around i just don't see how they were you know making any money standing there i don't know either because I, I used to bike to office and it's right i used to live in midvale so i'd, I'd bike right by them and yeah. there was like one person ever standing there yeah um have you had the one that's downtown um where by what do they call it the um, it's not running anymore but it's like a famous one it's on state street i think it's one of those little pull behind taco stands uh-uh. um ah, shucks i wish i could remember the name of that building it's the sears building okay yeah if you ever they 
tons and tons of people whenever we, we get requests for them all the time and they're not a, technically a food truck so we can't book them oh. um but they yeah they're great to work with um the the ones by the just ask anybody the taco truck by the sears building downtown and apparently they're like one of the best tacos around not from a food truck but they're still delicious so what is the differentiation between like one of those trailers and a food truck do they i mean is there different licensing for that or the the line that we draw is the health permitting okay. um for the health permit for the county health they give like those taco stands i think they give like a, a location based permit that's good for a okay. long time most vendors working at a booth or something just get a single site permit so if they have if they're at a festival, they get a permit for those two or three days at a festival. Okay. And then that's it. They have to get a permit for each and every one. A food truck, they can get a permit for the year for that county. And the requirement, I think the base requirement is they need like four walls and it needs to be completely enclosed. Enclosed. In okay. order for it to count, quote unquote, as a food truck. Um, but then since they're permitted for the year, they can go all over in that county and okay. not have to get individual permits for each individual spot. And do they have, because, I mean, you're saying you're running festivals and everything. Do these food trucks trucks typically have, like, a permit in every county in Utah? or? Um, I'd say Davis County, Salt Lake County, and Utah County. Okay. Most of them have those. Um, sometimes Tooele County, Weber, if they're, if they're based in Davis County, they usually have Weber County, too. Okay. Um, the county's health are really nice. They work with them. Um, they don't have to get the full inspection again because that's pretty expensive. They just pay a $100 secondary permit fee, and it allows them to work in that other county as long as their primary is still good. Okay. Yeah. And um, have you ever thought about starting a, your own personal food truck? I or? can't work that hard. They work, no. they work so yeah. hard. Some of them are out there working 14-hour days, six days a week. Yeah, and, and that's their. They don't do that. I mean, they do it for the summer, all summer long, and they've been doing it for three years, all every summer. You know, as much as they can work, it's they wake up at six and work till nine, ten p.m. Yeah, and go back to bed and do it all over again. That's that's crazy to me. Plus, I'm no chef. I'm terrible in the kitchen. So, <laughs> so I'd love I'd love to help them. Um, one of the things that we want to do this year is like get onto some food trucks and get more on like, hands-on experience on yeah. what it takes to run them. Cause we're doing a lot more scheduling and not so much hands-on for trucks. Um, but yeah, they, they work, they work crazy hard. No, it'd be cool to jump on there. Cause then you'd learn like the basics of every type of food. You know, I've always said yeah. I would like to work at a, uh, Chinese restaurant for a week just so I could learn how to cook their food. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you save a lot of money. I worked at a pizza place, and I've tried to do it at home. You just don't have the same equipment. Yeah. When you have that dough that they make at 50 pounds at a time, I'm not going to make 50 pounds of dough every time yeah. I make pizza. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Learning learning more about them is always fun. Yeah, no, I mean, even that, uh, you know, you go to the buffets or whatever, and they have that big old skillet, circular <laughs> skillet thing, yeah. and it's like I'm working on a little laptop-sized skillet. It's just... Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It was really disappointing. I was like... I dating my now wife and I was like, I'll make you pizza. I know how to do that really well. <laughs> and it was a disaster. I didn't yeah. have, didn't have the, like the, the right thing to put it in the oven. Didn't even have a wood fire. Like I hadn't set up any wood fire oven to cook in. 
And I just didn't. Uh, so it was like, it was okay. Pizza wasn't terrible. Yeah. But it was a, an eye opener for me. It's like, what you do in a commercial kitchen is different from what you can do at home. For yeah. Sure. I worked at a pizza place for a day as a dishwasher and I broke too many plates. So they <laughs> let me go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I figured, they figured they'd probably catch you tr- early as they could. Yeah. They, they let me go that night. Yeah, that's so, funny. Um, but what are, the, what are some of the like best festivals you do around here? Some of the best festivals. I mean, we have a, a a festival that we put on ourselves. It's just a single day. Um, okay. It's called the Food Truck Face Off, um, and we partner with four charities um, that are based in Salt Lake or in Utah. Okay. And um, and we set it up. We have I think last year we had like thirty two, thirty four food trucks there. It's in Liberty Park in downtown or in uh, thirteen hundred South Salt Lake. Okay. Um, and we just put a, built a huge ring, put a f- huge ring of food trucks there. The charities help manage all the logistics, help set up the stage. They have talent, like artists come and perform. And it's just like a big all-day food truck fest. And you um, got everything there. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, at least all like all the favorites of, of northern Utah, I'd say we'd get there. Um, at least one of each kind of food, usually doubles of each kind of food. Okay. And last year, uh, we t- typically didn't have desserts there in the past. Last year, we had room where we put like four or five dessert trucks in a row. So you had like dessert row. Okay. So you'd go around, um, we'd sell tickets. Um, portion of the of the proceeds would all go to charity. So like, uh, it's honestly, it's a big, we just do it to partner with the charity, set up a big event, and then help give back to the community here in, in Utah. So when you get your ticket, is that like good for one meal, or like do they do tasting samples at every truck, or how does that work? The trucks price them by tickets. So okay. if it's like an entree, it could be two or three tickets. So like There's a carnival. A, yeah, like a, like okay. a carnival kind of feel to it. Um, Freshies Lobster, they do lobster rolls, and okay. so those are five tickets because those are pretty expensive yeah. for them to make. <laughs> Um, but I think the last, I mean, COVID kind of killed it. We still had it, but it was just mostly online. In 2019, I think we raised like $100,000 for charity. Okay. It. So it was really, really cool. So the online COVID one, what was that? Just like delivery? Do DoorDash, does that do like food truck It was food? more of a, a fundraiser. The okay. couple of food trucks had DoorDash from their commissary. So they yeah. can prep food and like an like you would from a kitchen yeah um but it was like go support your food trucks um take a picture of your uh, like ordering from a food truck and we'll put some of those proceeds towards charity and and help donate online for charity we'll keep it in name and then 2021 we're planning to like have it again right assuming covid goes away we can have a big 35 food truck event down in Salt Lake. And what month do you guys do that at? It's typically the last Saturday of June. Last Saturday of Sometime, June. If there's Pride Fest instead, we're not going to compete. We say, have Pride Fest that weekend. <laughs> we'll do it another weekend. But we, we typically shoot for last last Saturday in June or first Saturday in, in uh, July, something like that. When did this start? Because I noticed food truck, like when I, I was in construction back in, um, you know, I guess that ended in 08. But, um, you know, they were mainly just, like, construction food trucks. But now it's, like, even if you go to the Walmart in Saratoga, every Friday they have three food trucks parked in front of the... Yeah. And that fish place is amazing. Uh, there's a fish one there. On the hook? I think so. It's a blue truck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the hook. They're they're incredible. They'll, yeah. Yeah, they'll pull people from miles around. They're, they're awesome. 
Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, there's been, I think the original food truck, the OG, um, was, I can't tell you when they started, but they were, they'd been around for a couple of years when food truck league started. Yeah. Um, but the problem was that there was no steady, there weren't any steady jobs for the trucks to make it through the winter. Yeah. And the winter, I mean, coming out of the winter, like we're in, we're pretty bad right now. The trucks have probably had the hardest winter since we started. Um, because there's nobody in corporate offices, they're all working from home. So there's not really a lot of steady business right now and they're trying to make it through. But it used to be like if a hundred food trucks in the summer, there'd be 10 that lasted till the next year. It was, yeah, it was, and they all went out of business. They, they couldn't, they couldn't pay their commissary. They didn't have anywhere to go in the winter for three or four months. And it's so, so hard. So how, how many due to COVID do you think are not coming back? Um, off the top of my head, there are four or five that I know of um, yeah. that have talked, that I've talked to. And a couple of them were like, we were planning on getting out anyways. At some point, this is just a good excuse to like, Hey, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. So let's just sell the truck now rather than later. And then some of them are like, we got to move somewhere where we don't have harsh winters. Cause not I'm... like they look at their schedule. Normally in the winter, they'd probably have, you know, two or three a week uh, uh-huh. lunches or dinners or something like that. And now it's like one a week, maybe or yeah. four or five a month. And it's, it's hard to get through that. None of them can go to like construction sites or cause I mean, we, we always had a food truck every day, <laughs> you know, it was like 40 degrees at the peak of winter, but, uh, yeah. And those are good spots. Yeah. Um, the ones that they can get to construction sites. It's hard to match up. All right, how many construction workers do you have that day? How many are actually going to eat from the food truck? Yeah. Is that enough? They usually need, you know, in the summer, at least 50 customers to make a spot worth it. In the winter, it goes down to 25, 30. But okay. If they suppose they go and they only get five customers, they're losing money there. They can't go back. Like, they can't. Yeah. And so if it can't support a food truck in the winter, and I I feel for people because I don't want to walk outside to a food truck and, like, yeah. have, to, have to order and then stand there in the cold. Um, but, yeah, one of the one of the constraints is, like, just having enough people on site. If you have 30 people on site, you can do a drop-off meal, but it's hard to get a food truck there for that few people. Yeah, what about doing something like that where they just, I mean, they've got that kitchen and then doing their own DoorDash. I've always wondered why companies would hire DoorDash when they could just hire their own delivery person. You know, oh, I right. guess I I guess when you're going all over the you know, county or whatever, maybe that's the reason there's just not enough like direct spots or Yeah. Some trucks set up a delivery service where they just have an extra person at a commissary that can make and, and drop off food. But it's tough to do that on top of everything else. Yeah. DoorDash has a, a ready-made system already. You put your menu in. People come and pick up the food for you. They drop it off for you. It's a little similar to the food truck league. People, I mean, you can call a food truck and book them, and, um, and they'll come and they'll serve you food. Like, you don't technically need to work through us, mm-hmm. but we have a website where it has all the food trucks that are, that they sync their calendar with us. It helps you find them. Um, you can call us and ask, hey, this is kind of what the event I'm planning. Where, like, what food truck do I get? I don't, I don't even know any. Yeah. And we can give, we know our food trucks. We vetted them. We know they're reliable. So we'll give you, like, personalized advice on what food truck to get. We'll book it for you. You don't have to worry about it. It'll show up on time. It'll feed everyone. It won't run out of food. Those kind of things. 
I feel like it's the same with DoorDash. It's like, well, sure, I could check my favorite restaurant's website and see if they have a, a delivery person. Yeah. But on DoorDash, I can just see everything within five miles, and every restaurant within five miles wants to be seen by you. Yeah. And so it, it's just people don't want to have to check a bunch of different things. They'd rather just check one thing. And if everyone's checking something, then what restaurants want to be on that to to get their business seen. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is a whole process in in itself yeah. and that's the extent of my knowledge on it yeah. <laughs> no i am no expert on doordash at all so what uh what are the smallest things you guys will do like weddings are those typically the smallest or like quinceaneras um it really depends on making sure that the food truck can make it work <coughs> excuse me so in the summer food trucks will have a minimum anywhere between 700 to a thousand dollars for the job Okay. Um, in order to make it worth it for them, they need to be able to pay employees and, and yeah. cover maintenance costs and things like that. In the summer, that could get down as low as four or $500. But say you want to feed five people, that's really expensive for four or $500 yeah. to feed five people. And a lot of trucks have done drop-off, so they'll like, hey, we won't bring the truck, but we'll make it the commissary, and we'll put you on a route, and we'll drop it off with, with some other meals as well to make it worth it for those smaller ones. I'd say cost effectiveness, you probably want at least 30 people. 30 people? Okay. Yeah. If you're doing $20 a person for 30 people at 600, that's enough for a food truck to come out to you. So do you guys schedule like the like the local fairs and stuff around here or are they I mean that's pretty much like they're set in there, huh? Like they're using the same people. Yeah, they yeah. they get to know the trucks pretty well. Um, probably the dividing line there is if the person that's putting on the event wants to charge the trucks, then we don't want to charge the trucks, right? Because we yeah. just charge a scheduling fee. We we well, we can schedule some stuff for free from the client, but from the food truck side, we've got to be able to pay for our services to them as well. Same as DoorDash. DoorDash charges the client and the and the restaurant yeah so that the restaurant has to mark up their prices a bit to make it worth it for them so um from our side man i start talking and i lose track of what i was saying so <laughs> you're so good <laughs> from our side like i i had a, a dance competition call me and they're renting out a school uh-huh and they want some food trucks there for people to eat from but they also want to charge a vendor fee to help cover the costs of renting the school and so i don't want to charge our fee and their fee yeah. if i schedule trucks for them so i say let, give me your information. I can broadcast to the trucks. If you want, I can give you some recommendations of good trucks to reach out to. But And we do that for free so that at least they find someone. Yeah. But then if we're doing the work, then we can't work for free. We've got to charge something. Yeah. And so if they want to charge too, we say, we don't, we don't want to, the, we want the trucks to have good business and to be successful. And so we'd rather just one person schedule them, charge the fee. And that way the, the trucks get better margins and have better events that way. They're not paying as much for them. Okay. What, what's, I mean, you kind of, I don't remember if we said that off air or on air, but, uh, COVID kind of slowed it down. Oh yeah. Um, do you, you said you had quite a lot of people scheduling for, uh, upcoming after COVID, right? Like, yeah, we're getting tons of requests for like October and like like October of this year, like way down the line, because um, they they want to. There, it's a lot of people have put off planning until after the first of the year. Okay. And so, 
that's after the first of the year and they don't want to have to wait for COVID to actually go away before they can plan. So there, anything that ha was happening last year that got postponed means it's getting pushed to this year. So everyone's trying to get their events. They've already decided to do it and they're just trying to find a good a good time, place, and people to, to have served food for it. Well, I know you said there was only like five people that you knew of that were going out of business, but do you think this would be a good time for somebody to try to jump into the food truck game? Or <laughs> like maybe in California, once they're all settled out, but in Utah, it didn't really hit that hard. So yeah, you could probably get food trucks. I mean, people are Food truck owners are selling their trucks when they get out of the business. Yeah. So there might be a few more on the market than there usually would be. There typically are people going out of business in the winter. They even if they're planning on it, they you know, have their last hurrah of the summer and then going into the fall they just get a little bit um kind of planning, cut shutting on the commissary, those kind of things. And then they put their truck up for sale. Yeah. Most of the time in the winter is the best time to buy the food truck because that's when the food truck's not making any money anyway. So you buy it, you can set it up with your menu and everything and get it ready for the, for the spring. You don't want to buy a food truck in the fall because uh, what are you going to do all fall? Yeah. Like you're, you're stuck. I mean, if you're prepping it and things like that, but if you try and open a food truck in the fall, the trucks that call me this last fall and say, hey, I just opened a food truck. What do you got for me? And I say, nothing. Like nothing. There's nothing out there right now. We can book you once over the winter, and that's all we've got. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's hard to open a truck in the fall, but most of the in the spring you have a full summer season of trying to make money before you have a hard winter that comes along. Yeah, it's that hard winter thing because I, I had a landscape company before I came to Utah, and I thought about getting back into it here. It's just. I mowed 365 days out of the year back there. I don't, like this year, there's not enough snow to cover half a year's worth of pay, you know. I just, right. even, um, like, I, I noticed in Utah, there's a lot of places that have, like, they have the snow cone little huts and parking lots. Right. Where they. And like, they don't touch it for the winter. No, yeah, yeah, none of those are open hot dog on a stick or any of that. But um, it's just weird that. You know, they close down for the winter. It's just a totally foreign concept. I don't know. I wonder if they charge more than they would back in California to cover the costs, or do a lot of these people, like, go off and do something different in the winter? Some do. There are a fair amount that, that take the winters off. They might go on vacation. Like okay. uh, Marquesas, he takes his family to, like, P Puerto Rico for three months or a long time okay every every winter because he's like screw the cold i want to go somewhere nice and they love they love that country so they they love it yeah um, or they love they love getting out of utah when they can um some of them a lot of them actually have uh the ones that close down for the winter they have something that they do so like the pizza bus his name's david he works at a school he's a school teacher okay and so that's why he has a big bus it's huge it's a full-size bus but um, in the so he only works the truck in the summer and in the winter he just teaches school so it's kind of like okay. almost his hobby but a hobby that pays him um, and he can you know employ some some kids and and things like that um, Jamaica's Kitchen for example he works up at Deer Valley as a as a chef in the winter so the ones that do close down in the winter they typically have something else that they're doing whether it be vacation or a, or another job or something else I would just love to know the like the economics of that because it's like a lot of a lot of companies close down for the winter 
but there's not like I mean, other than snow plowing, what new jobs are available in the winter? You know what I'm saying? What right. is everybody doing? Um, one of them had a he. So the owner of Umani, um, he has a tow truck company. He actually been running a tow truck company for a while. Okay, and that's way more busy in the winter than in the summer. Yeah, so he I was guess, like, yeah. "What do I do in the summer?" And he always had a passion for cooking, so he started a pizza truck. Um, and he runs that in the summer and then does that in the winter. I feel like a lot of people that take the winters off had that winter job first. And then they just oh, had okay. free time in their summer to start a hobby. Which, starting a food <clears> truck <throat> is a hobby. I think any food truck will tell you is, is not a hobby anymore. It takes over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's it's like a serious a f- part of your life. By yeah. The end of it. Yeah, you don't just do it for a little bit and then... Yeah, it's seven days a back. week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, I mean, trying to hire employees to drive your $100,000 truck around isn't... Staffing <laughs> has always been the biggest problem. Yeah. Yeah, finding people you can trust, being able to pay them enough, because you've you're only got to make... I mean, you got to feed them and yourself and, and yeah. take care of the truck and everything. Yeah, no, it seems... I, I don't know. I just... I uh, That's always boggled me with the, you know, like, businesses shutting down for the winter, because, like... Other than snow plowing and maybe like ski lodges, I don't know. I gotta do some more research <laughs> into that. Did I'm, you guys do anything for the Christmas season? Was that a like a boom? Were there events for that? We had a in the beginning of December. We had a bunch of Christmas parties okay. that came in. Part of it was uh, food trucks a lot safer to cater than like an indoor buffet. Yeah. Or going to a restaurant, and so uh, we had a lot of last minute things were like we we want to do something for christmas we got to do some kind of employee party but we can't go to a restaurant right now yeah we can't be that close together so yeah we did we did see quite a few probably more than last year um as far as last minute requests i would imagine because like you know for a different project thing i'm working on i i just recently stumbled upon the fact that there's a lot of pop-up outdoor bars like even in New York and Chicago mm. and areas like that where they have these like tiki hut Christmas themed bars on the boulevards. So I would imagine like there's got to be some money in making these kind of temporary like, Christmas. Yeah, just for the month, you know, go in and make some extra money type events. I I haven't seen any tiki bars show up <laughs> yeah. here in Utah. Um I know like the breweries are great for food trucks, but they, I mean, they go year round, but yeah. the breweries, they don't want to have to build a kitchen because they have to serve it and they have to serve food with their alcohol in Utah. Okay. And so there's some funny laws around that, but they're, the nice workaround is they don't have to have, you know, a chef and cooks and dishes and all that. They just have to have a food truck or someone serving food that they organize. And so like Fisher Brewery has been scheduling food trucks for years Okay. And the food truck just comes, parks outside. It's great. It's got a built-in crowd for the food truck. It's different food, so you never get tired of the same food from the kitchen. No, that's a good bar. idea. Oh, yeah. It's been, I mean, we're not the ones that started, I think, uh, like Portland, and they've been doing it for a long time. But it's been really nice. The new breweries, they reach out to us to kind of get help get started in a couple of cases. And then they, they get to know a few food trucks, and they start scheduling their own. And it's a great it's a great combo for sure. So you you guys do I mean there's quite a few breweries in in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. That's Yeah, no. I I mean there's so much money out there to be made. You know, there's just uh <laughs> And just smart solutions. That's my favorite part. It's like Yeah. It's such the brewery 
has zero desire to have any kind of food. Yeah. They don't have a food truck outside, and they have a single menu item. It costs $25, and they pa- unpackage it and put it on a platter and say, here, for your food, quote-unquote food item, right? Yeah. And so for them to have a food truck park outside is great. They don't have to worry about it. it they don't have to have licensing. Happy. Yeah, they don't have to worry about yeah. Yeah, getting health inspected for, for that food or anything. Yeah. And then it's the food trucks love it because it's a built-in crowd that they can go. It's like... Drunk people always eat better than, than sober people. <laughs> and tip better. And tip better and yeah. everything. So, yeah, it's a great combo. Um, do you guys do any, like, farmer markets? Is there, like, like um, weekly or monthly, like, things you got just on a schedule where you do these specific things? or? Yeah, we, we kind of started with farmer's markets a little bit when the Food Trick League started. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a different crowd and... Um, and so, in our experience, farmers markets, they're trying to collect money from their vendors anyways. Yeah. And so, that's one of the situations where it's better for the market if they get paid a little bit from the trucks going. And they get to know the trucks well enough to kind of schedule themselves. Or okay. Farmers markets with the booths, they're usually like, you can buy the whole season for this amount. It's discounted so that they don't have to fill that spot again. And so, it's not so much finding different trucks there. They just want to find a few partner trucks that will be there every week. Yeah, and then it's taken care of, and they don't have to worry about but filling that spot. That's how that's how you guys started was with the. We started with uh, we call them league nights, but basically a roundup. It was in Sugar House, and it blew our top off. I was before I started the food truck league, uh, with the food truck league, but it was their first event. I think they had like six or eight trucks there, um, in this. It's called Sugarmont Plaza. It's still okay. there. The building is condemned at this point, I think. But I think they had like 6,000 people show up oh. and fill up this like, it's a small parking lot. Yeah. And it's even smaller with food trucks there. And it was just nuts. People loved it. And uh, and and so that's when they were like, okay, people, people want this. Let's get it going. And so we've worked with farmer's markets in the past. But it's been kind of the same as breweries where they just want a few partners that they can yeah. rely on and that they know. And then they just kind of schedule on their own. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that seems like an ingenious idea in the fact that, like, the owner of the company didn't have to put a whole lot of money down towards it. He's just, like, (laughs) gathering these people. I mean, he had to pay some permits, and he's got some risk on that, but, uh, yeah, no, that's a pretty cool idea. Honestly, the the biggest thing that we want to do is just build relationships. Yeah. Right. So if a food truck doesn't trust us, they're not going to work with us. They're yeah. going to require things up front. But and and that's how it was. We started with I think twenty food trucks that that worked with us, and there were a ton more out there that were you know doing their own thing. They thought we would just flash in the pan. There was another company that that did food truck scheduling in Utah already, but. The biggest thing was just building relationships with the food trucks, helping build their businesses so that they could afford to be good partners and and have staff and do things right instead of just trying to scrape by. Yeah. And so, yeah, like we we're opening Food Truck League Arizona, and the biggest thing there right now is is helping building a, a good partnership with the food trucks there so that it's not just good, like, sure, it has... We want it to be good for Food Truck League, but we also want it to be great for the for the food trucks that we're working with. Are you going to move down to Arizona? I tried. I've got family down there. Uh, the other full-time person, his name is Mason, he moved to Arizona instead, took my spot. Oh, so, man. Because that's full-time work. 
What part of Arizona are you going? Um, Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah, that's full-time work for sure. It's interesting. We were looking at it because it, the season flip-flops. The uh-huh. summer is so hot. I mean, it's like 120 degrees outside, and it's always 20 to 30 degrees hotter inside a truck. Yeah. And so a lot of trucks, it's 150 degrees in the truck. There's no way they can operate. Yeah, they throw a swamp cooler on the back <laughs> of that thing be good to go. <laughs> Not to say that they don't operate, but their, their busy season is interesting because it's like the fall, winter, or fall, spring. Uh-huh. Like right now is they're starting up their league nights. They're building their events because it's good weather there now. In the summer, when we're busy, they kind of die down, or yeah. at least so far. Yeah, no, I would imagine there would be so many cool events. Like, they got that festival of colors, and then, like, you know, like, rafting things. And there, I mean, there would be so many places to target if you were in that business. Yeah, unfortunately, zero of them happened this year, right? Yeah. Or, or 2020. Uh, was That's was part of what hit the food truck so hard, is that they would have a great $20,000 weekend, where they, sure, they worked their butts off, but they, they got paid well for it. But all those got canceled, nothing over, you know, 200 people in a single place. And so that's probably the biggest thing that's going to be helping food trucks this next summer, assuming we can pull it off, is getting those events, those big festivals going again so that the food trucks can, they, they can work hard and, and have a little bit more security over the winter. Yeah, no, this is, it'll be interesting with all this. Uh, I mean, I, I heard they made the vaccination to where if your company requires you to get a vaccination, they'll be able to let you go if you don't get vaccinated, oh. which is kind of, uh, I, I listened to that on NPR the other day, and um, I personally don't know if I want to get vaccinated myself. I uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a very uh, hot topic. <laughs> yeah, no, it is for <laughs> going sure. Going on right now. Yeah. I I don't watch the news most of the time. I don't think it's the best thing to do. I probably should keep an eye closer on the yeah, news. It's all trash. My wife had to tell me, she called me today because of that, uh, whatever's happening in D.C. Yeah. With Trump supporters. I If she hadn't had called me, I would I would go a week without noting, like noticing at all because I, I just don't see it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I can see both sides as long as people are just civil about it. Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't want someone yelling in my face because I didn't get vaccinated or because I did get vaccinated. Yeah, it's for sure. Tough. Yeah, no, it's, um, uh, the Trump supporters and the Biden supporters, it both seems kind of ridiculous to me <laughs> personally, but man, you, l- you listen to the news and it is just a yin and a yang. There is no middle ground anywhere. Yeah, so polarized. Yeah. And then, you know, it's even like I listening to that on NPR, NPR is a pretty liberal, um, liberal radio station, but you just like, you don't know how much of this stuff's factual from either news outlet you know if right. you're, it's uh what's, what's their bias right? yeah everyone's got one it's uh do you do you see that getting any better in the future oh man if i knew that i would be paid way more than i do now yeah <laughs> if i could predict something like that i don't i don't know uh the nice thing is that everyone loves food right yeah so whether it's a uh, Biden supporters or Trump supporters, we'll feed them all. Like, That's the way to look we do at not it. Care. Yeah. A lot of these business rallies, they reached out to us to schedule, and we tell the trucks, "Hey, this is kind of politically charged. Are you sure if someone takes a picture, there could be some, you know, people that that don't follow you because you were at this thing? 
that yeah no that's something you have to think about that's crazy right and most of the answers like i i need to make money like i need to support myself yeah people want food i'm not going to turn them down the customers they're customers too we want to make sure that we're feeding them too so for anyone listening if you saw somebody at a trump or biden rally (laughs) that doesn't mean they support them they just support making money yeah yeah they just want to make sure those people are well fed they go hungry too yeah no i think realistically the majority of people don't care you know right i think it's just it's it's so weird because when i was in high school it was just totally opposite you know i mean it was like you were a republican or you were a democrat and i mean it wasn't tooth and nail like it is now or they're projecting it on the tv which is right it's great like if you went to a bush rally and a food truck was there they would have just assumed that well they bush rally hired this food truck but right. now it's like right oh that's a bush food truck is or your a trump food truck yeah, yeah is that something you guys take into consideration we haven't honestly we haven't had any pushback from any we haven't had any complaints about yeah why are you supporting this versus that i think i think most people do understand that a business needs to make money and people are hungry they want to eat and so providing food for people doesn't mean that we're politically aligned with anyone it yeah. just means that we like providing food for people we want to make sure that they're, they're have a good day so have you personally ever had an event where you had a bunch of catering there or what do you mean like a like at your wedding or anything oh uh, you... no actually you wouldn't believe it before three years ago i had zero interest in in food trucks other yeah. than it was a date night once when I was dating my wife. Like that's we went to a the food truck roundup in Provo, which unfortunately isn't around anymore. But that was our second date. Is we went to a food truck roundup and it was great, but no special connection to it at all. Okay. Um, I joined food truck league because um, I was so growing up. I always wanted to be a zookeeper. Okay. Decided in high school that's what I was going to do. Uh, moved to Utah, got married, was working at the Hogle Zoo. Um, my wife got pregnant and she had a much better job than I did. So, um, she went back to work after maternity leave was up. I came home and, um, one of my neighbors was owner, the owner Taylor. Um, and he knew that we weren't super happy. I was not super happy at home. It was at three months into taking, being a stay at home dad. And it was great. I loved it. But, uh, I wanted some adult interaction in my day, not, yeah. just, not just with a three-month-old. So um, he talked to me about it and hired me for the food truck league. Uh, my wife came home, started taking care of our kids, and I went to work for him. Um, and it's been it's been great. Best thing was I had to go try all this food truck. Oh, yeah. no. I think I gained 20 pounds in a, in a couple of months <laughs> just from going and trying all this food. It was so good. But the probably the biggest thing is getting to know these the food trucks and their story like there are food trucks they own a food truck now but they used to be homeless in in paraguay yeah like, like they're just crazy stories they're a couple that uh one was from france the other one was from portugal uh and they met online teaching each other like languages and they fell in love and and came here and they he wanted to teach french at a university but they didn't recognize his uh, degree from France, from I the gotcha. French university. So, uh, so they were stuck here. They they were already here. They didn't know what to do. So they started a crepe truck, and they did that. And then just this last year, he finally got certified and is teaching French like he wanted to. But that truck helped him stay together and help support their family until 
until he could get to his final goal. So, like, all sorts of different stories like that are just awesome to, to hear about. Yeah, no, that's the goal of this podcast is, like, you know, I mean, you, you listen to other podcasts and you get a lot of important people on podcast, like rich right. people or famous people, but, like, you don't hear, everybody's got a story. Everybody's right. got a story, you know, and uh, it's just cool to hear different people's stories. Where are you originally from? Arizona? From Alabama. Alabama. Okay. Yeah, we, we almost moved to um, Killen, Alabama. That was the actual name of the <laughs> Killin' Alabama. <laughs> I, I we, didn't know there was a Killin' Alabama. That's super funny. Yeah, it was all the way at the north. Um, oh, up by Huntsville? Shoot, I don't know what it was by. It was by a... We, we were actually like a week away from moving to Killin', and then we moved to Florida instead and managed that place in uh, Jacksonville. But... Uh, <laughs> Florida's got nicer beaches, I will oh, not deny. We were nowhere near a beach. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, I'm glad we dodged that bullet myself, but, uh. Not to end up in Alabama. Yeah. It was, it was like a town of 900 people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, My wife is from a small town in Arizona. Okay. And she, when we first got married, she's like, yeah, this, maybe, maybe we can move back there. And I was like, that is a dead end town. Like, there's no, there's nothing going on there. What town is it? Oh, I called it a dead end town. I can't tell you. Uh, okay. Poor, poor people in that town. I'd feel bad. If I'm from heard. Prescott. So, I mean, that's, it's kind of like an artsy, you right. know. Not a college town, but I I don't know. That's weird because that was kind of where people start, like all the hippies started going and building alternative houses. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, my dad will tell me stories about all these different weird adobe houses or this <laughs> No dude. cookie cutter neighborhood. Yeah, like my, uh, my sister's best friend. I have twin sisters and their best friend's house when they were kids was made out of tires and like you know when i was growing up in the early 90s late like 80s recycled like, tires or like yeah just like actual tire just tires. dirt packed tires wow. and then they uh they put the drywall onto the tire and then they like put a stucco thing on the outside and that's interesting yeah no i mean there's a lot have you ever seen the movie garbage warrior no oh uh, you that. should you should definitely check that out on youtube it's free it's a documentary about this guy out in New Mexico, out in Taos, New Mexico. Uh, it's the only place he could build these houses, but they're motherships. And it's basically like a... It's an adobe bottle house. So they find tires is the base, and then they get all these bottles, and they turn them so the... Like this lid part is on the inside. For air conditioning. Well, yeah, the sun hits it, and it kind of heats it. Yeah. And then it's got a rain catch, and then the the water lays underneath the floor planks, which kind of keeps it cool. And then there's aquaponic system that waters interior plants, and I mean it's he just, lives in a swamp cooler. Yeah, right? well, it's you know because it snows out in Taos, New Mexico, like it gets oh, cold. Okay, so but the it's opposite. just I, I hear New Mexico and I think desert. During but yeah, it's probably... a desert during the summer. It's pretty hot, oh, but man. it's just like perfect temperature. And I mean. In the movie, you'll see, like, he his first houses, like, he sold one to a writer, and the typewriter, like, melted because <laughs> it got so hot. But oh, he kind of perfected it now. Yeah, and then, you get better over time. You know, now he goes to, like, Haiti and builds these houses. But they're totally recycled, totally self-sustaining houses. They That's put cool. a couple solar panels, and it's just... I don't know. I've always been interested in that type of stuff. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, but, uh... 
Yeah, no, Arizona's got some areas like that. Some areas like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's a shame you couldn't move to Phoenix. I, I don't know. Yeah. Phoenix is Phoenix. My my wife's family is all here in, in Utah now, basically. So okay. I, I might have... She hates humidity, and uh, she grew up in Arizona, so she knows what Phoenix is like, and she's like, I... I would rather not. I think I think she talked with my coworker and was like, "You take it before I have to talk him out of it, so that so yeah. that we don't end up there." Well, man, I I grew up in the. I mean, where we lived in northern LA County, it was straight desert. Like it was over 110 for like 40 to 50 days out of the year. Wow. And um, when we moved to Jacksonville, like it's like the man, polar opposite. Oh, that humidity <laughs> is. <laughs> horrible you're just like constantly wet and the bugs are insane man i mean they were like six inch cockroach looking things oh, and yeah. like the mosquitoes i used to think i would get attacked in north or in uh northern la county and you'd have like four or five bites but there oh, it's yeah. like geez, everything dude. within a mile seems like it came oh yeah. yeah it's crazy i know alabama's got some spots like that i guess Killen was a little more in the north foresty area, but yeah. So I'm from Lower Alabama, uh, like by to, Mobile. Yeah. By okay. Mobile. Hey, you said it right. Most people don't. Uh, <laughs> Mobile. Yeah. So we actually went back for a funeral this last summer, and I got to tell you something. Standing in a suit outside in mm-hmm. the heat of the summer, as you step out of the car, you start sweating immediately. So I'm, yeah, yeah, it's it's rough. My my wife was a trooper and lasted through it all, and she liked the beach <laughs> quite a bit, so that helped. But yeah, as I I was cautious because I was like, if I want this girl to move here, I got to show her the best side of oh. it. But it you can't plan around a funeral, so we went in the heat of the summer and yeah, yeah, maybe we'll get back there. You got to take her in like know. April, beginning yeah, of yeah. April, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like late September or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take her when it's when it's snowing here. That's when you go to Alabama. Yeah, no, it's good. When we moved to Florida, it was in January. January and um it was snowing while we were loading the moving truck and when we got to florida it was 80 degrees (laughs) during the winter it was nice you know there's not a lot of humidity or anything but then it like rained at three o'clock every day all summer long okay i'm not crazy yeah i remembered that growing up it was like you'd almost set your watch by four o'clock yeah rained for 10 minutes and then it stopped yeah no and i mean we had this waste pond in the like back of the storage uh place and i mean it would rain so much that thing would flood all the way up into the road <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> yeah it's just totally different world i don't know that the east coast is totally different than the west coast yeah it's interesting i think about it every once in a while because i'm still fresh enough here where you look at that like the highway and they've got like an extra eight to ten feet on the side of the highway and uh-huh. that's for the snow that they plow in the in the winter here in utah yeah in this in alabama they don't have that but they have like six foot deep ditches for the rain uh-huh. that comes through and it fills them up every hurricane that comes through you got six feet of water on each side of the road that you hope you don't it doesn't flood over uh-huh. but yeah, yeah yeah there's a street in mobile called water street and it's because it floods every time it rains <laughs> every time well that's that's another thing when i was growing up in uh in Southern California, we we actually got off for rain. If it rained too hard, it would flood out all the schools. Really? And yeah, we. I mean, every other year we had school closures for rain. If it snowed like 
just a dusting. <laughs> School was closed, yeah, man. There's no equipment there's, for it. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, I mean, it wouldn't even stick to the asphalt. I was there for like 25 years. It stuck to the asphalt one time. And, um, but, but yeah, still closed every everybody's time. driving five miles an hour. <laughs> and then I come here the first year and I'm doing like five miles an hour and, and everybody's doing by, 80 yeah. miles oh, an yeah. hour by me. Yeah. It's, uh, what was your first encounter with snow? Oh man, this is, this is one of my favorite stories actually. Cause I was a teenager. I think it was like 17, 18 and my family we, we've always had family out here in Utah, so we decided to come out and visit. And we always road trip because I have eight siblings, so there's no yeah. way to fly us all. And so we're driving out here, and I remember looking at the map because we had it was I was I'm feel dated now, but we didn't we didn't have GPS. We had a road atlas that we brought yeah. with us, and so we were like planning which route we're gonna take and which highways and stuff. And I was noticing that we were going north up to Illinois area and then west. Yeah, and I was thinking this is gonna be in the winter. Like, is that a good idea? <laughs> like, we don't want to go north. You want to stay warm and then go north at the last second. And but I definitely didn't have the final say. So we went north and a, and we hit a blizzard in Wyoming. Oh, that was just it was gnarly. Like more snow than I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and my family wanted to stop, and everyone else had pulled off to the side or, or stopped in motels or something. And I said. No, I didn't want to come north first. <laughs> I wanted to go south. We're, we're not stopping for anything. I'll drive. And so I'm driving through the night, and it's like you couldn't see the road. You couldn't get off on an exit. I tried to I'd use the bathroom, tried to tap on the brake to take an exit, immediately started fishtailing and stuff. <laughs> like, nope. So I kept it on the highway, just took my foot off the gas. Eventually we stopped, and I get out and go do my business in the woods or something <laughs> and come back. But I couldn't see the road. The signposts that are on the side, yeah, like twenty feet out. I just stayed in the middle between those. On the didn't keep to a lane or anything. Just stayed in the middle of the road. <laughs> and this, yeah, I'm glad nothing happened because I, I definitely, if if I had seen anything, even if it was a hundred yards out, I wasn't gonna be able to stop before before yeah. I hit it. I had no control of it. It was lucky, lucky. But yeah, that was the first time ever dealing with snow, and I was, I don't, probably couldn't do it again now. It was just lucky, lucky night. Yeah, we drove first time driving through Utah was in uh at night. We were going to Colorado for my brother's wedding and did I you noticed go through the mountains or did you go down south around? Oh, we went up through Aspen and everything. Oh, yeah. But man, as soon as we hit Utah, it was like the white lines but are you can't see, you them. Can't see them at night. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be raining. Like it's totally different world, man. You go it like driving across country Every state is different. As soon right. as you hit New Mexico, like, you can tell you hit New Mexico because right. there's just potholes in the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> Big old two-foot potholes. That's never good. Yeah, it's it's weird. And then, like, you get into Texas, and they have, like, 90-degree turns to exit the freeway. Your Big right. old 26-foot truck, and it's like, yeah, it's weird. All yeah. these states are different, but... That's something I've actually thought about that quite a bit. I used to hate driving at night. I hated it. And yeah. especially in Utah where you couldn't see anything. If there was even the slightest bit of rain, it was all just black. Yeah. You couldn't see lines. And in Alabama, we have like these, they stick up a couple of inches with reflectors on them. California does too. Yeah. 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 And I, I've always been like, why don't they just have them here? Like even sometimes they'll have the flaps that like, but they always get torn off and never I think the, the snow plowing they right. can't There's put no them way on there can yeah plow with those and so when I realized that I was like oh okay I'll get I'll cut Utah break they have to plow 
And like when it snowed in Atlanta, it, it stopped the city for two days because they didn't have any snow plows or equipment. It just wasn't. Yeah. They weren't prepared for anything like that. It's like okay, you have to design the roads around what you're dealing with. If you have a snow plow, it'll tear off every single one of those little reflectors the first time it comes through. I think what they need to do is change the white lines to neon green and the orange lines to neon pink, like safety green, safety pink. Oh, really? With some reflection. I think that would help, man. Oh, no. I I didn't even think about I don't work with construction much, so I yeah. wouldn't even think about that. That would that would be interesting. You you know you came to Utah if you saw yeah. green, neon green and neon pink. Well, I know they'd be like you know changing it all up, but you really cannot see those lines out there. Right. I mean, you cannot. And like you said, when it rains, and especially when you're on this freeway, like you'll see right. old lines because all the construction. Yeah. That's what throws me off the most. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like at the right sun angle, you're like, which one oh am I supposed my. to <laughs> <laughs> make sure there's nobody around your car? Yeah. No cars around. Yeah. No, it's crazy. So, uh, what's the next big event you guys got planned? The next, it's hard. It's hard to plan. I know that, um, like, 2019 in the spring, we we did some big private events um, at like the Salt Palace and things like that. The next big thing for us is probably food truck face-off. As far as like a food truck league event, we partner with the charities. We set it up from the very beginning. Most of the other events are festivals or people reaching out to us. And okay. all we do is provide the food trucks for them. And they, and they take care of everything else. It's really their event. We just send food trucks there. Um, we do have, I think like we're up to 20, 25 league nights in the summer. Um, so it's usually like six plus food trucks in a parking lot or a park or something. And they're all over Utah, uh, Salt Lake, and Davis County now. And we partner with the city and we set it up usually for the summer. Um, Eagle Mountain has food trucks outside of the, uh, what's it called, Ridley? Ridley's Family, Ridley's Market. They have okay. food trucks there every Tuesday. And people love them so much. We've kept going through the winter. It's great for the trucks. And yeah. uh, Eagle Mountain's got like six restaurants, so they love having some different food options out there. But most of the other spots will start in you know March, April, maybe June at the latest. Yeah. Um, and there's so many there everywhere. I would imagine you could do that every weekend. Just get a whole bunch of food trucks together, and like that's it's crazy that you can't do it every weekend. Like oh, just th- those even are on like a weekly basis. Yeah. So those. Those are every week. So like uh, Daybreak, for example, in South okay. Jordan. Okay, that place is cool. Yeah. We we were doing, I think, like 22 food trucks every Thursday. And we had to split them out to different locations because you couldn't have too many trucks in the same place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, you take your pick from 22 food trucks and go grab your food. So how do you figure that ratio out? Like, is that just trial by fire? We, we talk with the food trucks a lot. We get their sales numbers. Uh, okay. The owner, the founder of the company is, a, is an analyst by heart. And so he always wants the data. And like, yeah. Let's figure it out from the data what's actually going on. And people vote with their dollars. So that helps us know which ones are most popular, taking into account some price ranges. Like a barbecue truck that does $1,000 is different from a corn dog truck that does $1,000. Cause corn dogs are $5, yeah. $5 a corn dog. So they have a lot more people going. Um, but yeah, so if, if, as long as the trucks are making enough to make it worth it, we'll keep it going. Um, okay. typically if they're making, I mean, if they only get 20, 30 people to the truck, then in the summer, that's 
they they just can't make enough money that way. Yeah, I would Im- I would imagine that's like one or two food trucks could mean a big difference to everybody. Like there's some math that goes into all yeah. that. Yeah, we typically try not we want to make sure that one the lines are good. So if there're too many people and not enough truck trucks, the lines will get really long and that's just a bad experience, which is always our number one. We want to make sure the customers have a good experience. It's yeah. a good um, interface with the with the food trucks and then also just making sure that the spacing is good if it doesn't matter how many how many people come if there's not enough room for more trucks there's no way to add more trucks and then if the as long as the lines are good and the spacing's solid then it's great for the food trucks to make more like if they they need at least 50 customers if they can get 150 customers instead and yeah. be fast enough for it then that's great like let's Let's help them in the summer so they can make it through the winter. Do you guys bring the tables and everything for those events? No, not really. We There's no way we'd be able to set up as many events if we needed to get staff there for every single event that's going on. Do you guys need somebody to come set up tables? <laughs> <laughs> the, cities, the cities do a great job. A lot of parks have tables and stuff in there already. Okay. Um, I'm sure if someone brought out a table for everyone to use, they wouldn't. the people wouldn't mind. Um, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we try and focus on green space, so like setting out a blanket on the grass. Yeah, okay. Daybreak, they had these natural benches built into the lake, which is really, really awesome. And so we, we shoot for places where people can sit and, and eat without needing someone to have to go there every week. Yeah, I get you. The, um... Uh, oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. It was, um... Shoot. I do don't you, know. Do you live in Midvale? Where do you? Yeah, I live here. We're oh, okay. in this is my garage. <laughs> <laughs> right. What was I thinking? Yeah. So the closest one to here might be like Sandy, um, at the amphitheater. It'll be on Mondays, probably on okay. Mondays this next summer. Um, West Jordan has one. Where in West Jordan? It's way west. It's um, like, Ron, Ron Park. It's right next to. Uh, uh, it's not Bangor. It's the one that's farther west. Mountain View. Okay. Right next to the Mountain View Corridor Road, um, off of 9000 in Mountain View. Daybreak's not far from here. And no. that place is, I mean, that, that place is pretty cool. I got lost the first time I saw it. And I was like, where the hell am I? This is like Stepfordville. It's kind of weird, yeah. but this is cool. They it's had, a very planned neighborhood for sure. Yeah, they got yeah. their own little boulevard and everything, and that river that runs through. With the COVID stuff, did, did you guys have to... Go out and separate people, make sure people were six feet apart and all that. And... The the trucks had the responsibility for their lines. Okay. To make sure it got to the point where we told the trucks if they're if they aren't social distancing, stop serving. Like okay. you can't there's no way that we can be responsible and let people come that close together. And so they were really good. They put up markers and things like that. Um, cities, depending on the city, like the ones we had in Tooele County, like we talked about, they weren't as worried about it. People just aren't, aren't as worried about yeah. social distancing in, in Tooele. Um, but like West Jordan did a great job there. It was the first year running this last year and they were talking with the health department like weekly, making sure they're on top of things. They had staff there handing out masks and, and, um, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer. And uh, making sure people social distancing, like they were super on top of it. Okay. Um, so it, yeah, it's just weird because like uh, during Christmas, I went to the mall three times, and everybody's eating in the food court. You know, 
Everybody's eating in the food court. Everybody's walking together. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, I, I don't know. But then you can't go to a Del Taco and eat. It just, you can go to Applebee's, you can go to King Buffet, right. but like, not a Del Taco. The lines for all these fast food restaurants have gotten crazy. Yeah, and if you wonder why it didn't, why the COVID spiked yeah. <laughs> into Christmas and December, right? Because they got, like, November was a big spike, and the last couple of weeks have been spiking pretty hard. It's because it's just hard to social distance long term. Like, March, April, people are like, okay, this is serious. Let's, let's stay home. Yeah, let's no, for sure. But after, you know, nine months, that's a long time to be worried about it. Well, and I think a lot of people like me don't know anyone who's gotten it you know right. so and then they're just be, like it's hard to be afraid of it why am i doing this yeah you know? <laughs> like yeah. i mean i've got elderly parents i've got you know a bunch of people i mean we manage that uh that retirement home that we're still in contact with a lot of people over there and it's like yeah. nobody's gotten sick from that it's just it uh yeah you don't know i don't know <laughs> it's I listened to a, a great interview. They were talking about the NFL, and they have so many resources to mm-hmm. test every day and everything for their for their players. And the guy was their medical guy was talking about if if I don't have COVID, I have zero chance to spread it. Absolutely yeah. zero. Like I can spit in your face, and you won't get COVID because I don't have it. And so their biggest thing was if you have COVID, you stay out. You don't come into practice. You don't do any, your whole family quarantines until it's you test negative again. And then you can come in. So their big thing was just that quarantine of like, if sure the mask lessens it by you know this much percentage and keeps this this much contact down and things like that. Yeah. But if I if I can make sure that I don't have COVID, then I cannot spread it to anyone else. And so it could be that some. Oh, that's nice. And warm. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I thought I had that pointed towards you this whole time. <laughs> no, you're good. You're over here in the t-shirt. Yeah. So if. Uh, if no one that you know comes in contact with it, they yeah. don't have any chance to spread it to you. And that's kind of, I, I think about this sometimes because we cracked down quite a bit in March. Like a lot of businesses shut down. Yeah. Our business, I mean, 90% of our caterings canceled because you just couldn't get people together. And, and it's because no one wanted to be the one that allowed businesses to be open Yeah. and had something bad happen. Exponential growth with with contagions are are crazy yeah you think 10 people if one person infects an additional 10 people a day that gets really quick like from 10 to 100 to a thousand to you know ten thousand. that gets way too fast and we were all just scared to death that well that's what surprised me is i I actually my job we subcontract to walmart's and we go from Payson all the way to downtown Salt Lake. I go out to Tooele and Heber and stuff. Cool. And there's not been one Walmart that's had a um, an, outbreak. an outbreak. Yeah, so I'm thinking, like, when you get sick, where do you go get your medicine? Where do you got to go get your yeah. food, you know? So that's just, like, in my head. Maybe Walmart's doing something right. <laughs> yeah, that Walmart, Walmart's doing something right. We're all good to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know, man. Everybody's got their own opinion. My my thing is like, you know, you get hypochondriacs and then they like right. think they're sick, you know, more sick than they'd normally be from the flu. And I think like, it's just like, you know, COVID's a serious thing, but then you get these other things and it kind of amplifies it. Like 
the swine flu, the normal flu, a lot of children die every year. COVID, less children die, like half the percentage of children die. Right. The swine flu doubled the amount of children die. Children, like, right. and we didn't do nothing. Like, you heard about the swine flu for a week, and they took some pork off the shelf, you know? Right. And it's just, I don't know. It's It seems crazy to think that, like, I know you've got hope for April to start coming back around, right. but... I hope it opens up in April, you know. Yeah, that's that's tough because no one say there's a point zero zero one percent percent chance of someone dying. Yeah. From it, no one wants to be responsible for that person dying, though. Yeah. Like, that's that's tough. But during like swine flu, Aryan flu, Zika virus, all these other things, like it's just like they didn't care. It just it just it seems weird to me, you know. Yeah, and. I didn't know anyone that had any problems with swine flu. I yeah. talked to a few trucks, and some of them have said, yeah, I lost neighbors yeah. from the swine flu. So it really hits home for them. But I don't think it was anywhere this widely spread, right? Because COVID is like, they tried to stop it. They they can't stop it. New Zealand's got something great because they're on an island, and they can just say, no more new people or anyone arriving here quarantines for two weeks before they do anything else. But you can't do that. Take Texas. Like, they closed their borders for a bit. They can't do that forever. Yeah, but in the same token, we weren't testing everyone for swine flu. Like, if somebody came in with the flu, it was like, oh, you just got the flu, we can't give you antibiotics. Right. I never, yeah, like, I never got tested for the swine flu or anything. Yeah, nobody like really did. Like, they didn't have big old testing centers where you could drive in. It's yeah. just like, when you start putting all these pieces together, I I don't know, man. I, I have, like, do you think the economy's going to suffer here in this upcoming year? Man, I wish you had Taylor here because he's the economist. Not, yeah. Not I, I don't even watch the news. I couldn't tell you. Uh, from what I've talked with him about, uh, it's it's been accelerating the natural cycle. So they have like debt cycles that go up and down. Mm -hmm. And then they have like a big debt cycle that's like every 20, 30 years. Or yeah. Something. It's like really long time. I From what I've heard from him, it's accelerated that big debt cycle to to push through that things are going to change but it could be in five years could be in six like it, it's somewhere down the line we just don't know when it could it i mean crap could hit the fan this year if, yeah if trump supporters storm uh Capitol well that's building, a whole nother worry it's yeah, like then that throws everything out like there's no <laughs> way to predict that yeah no i just man i went through the recession and the recession was so hard to get through like because i you know i got out of high school the economy was booming i worked right. for four or five years and then there was just I, I was at four different pipe companies they all went out of business within the last year and a half oh. and then like next thing you, like i literally me and one of my foremans we started uh doing side work and putting patio covers up you have to yeah and i eventually started my landscape company and i went in that direction but I mean, in the beginning, we were working for stucco guys, digging septic tanks, whatever we could do. And when we didn't have work, we would go stand in front of the Home Depots. Like, right. And, um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, day labor, whatever we could do. And I do not want to go back to that. But in right. the same token, if you have a game plan, there's a lot of money to be made in those recessions. Right. 
and that's what probably most economists tell you is that's why you hedge, right? Yeah. So you want to take advantage of the boom that's coming from COVID going away and, and businesses getting back again. But you also want to hedge just because just in case that boom doesn't last very long and you yeah. don't invest too hard in it because then then you lose it all back again. Well, even like from the recession till now, I don't think there was that much of a boom, you know. Right. I mean, it kind of stabilized back to a little bit of normalcy, but... And it kind of depends because, I mean, stocks took a hit. My mother-in-law, she's retired, and uh-huh. she's pretty invested in, in a, a wide portfolio, thankfully. But she was looking at, at her projections, and she lost a third of her money yeah. just from COVID happening in a, few, in a couple of months. And then it, it dips, and then it came back even stronger where things went past what they were when COVID started. And you're like, well, that's good, I guess. And there's companies yeah, and- that are way over, like... The overvalued that but if she takes all down. her money out during the good time then she's going to pay half <laughs> half of it in taxes right. so it's just like i don't know man it seems like they're out to get you no matter which way you <laughs> look at it like you yeah, know it you looks good now yeah i don't know i uh do you got any closing words for anybody out there like my big thing when i when i got out of high school i had a couple good years right you know but uh, kids getting out of high school this year, like, what? That's Do they tough. go to college? Like, they told my generation to go to college, and I know a lot of people that are unemployed with, you with know, bachelor's degrees. degrees yeah. And, yeah, like, I, I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I'm telling my kids to try to make it on YouTube, personally, but. Yeah, that, that's tough not to do that because you can get success in a couple of years and write it. And yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, I don't have a college degree. I'm working on it now. I'm going to WGU. It's nice. It's online. I uh-huh. can just do things on my free time. Um, the only reason I'm really doing that is because at one point, it was back when I was at the zoo, I was looking for, I was pit, going for a job and they needed that piece of paper to be able to get it. I knew the team members, they would have hired me, but... You just need that piece of paper. It was like yeah. government grant based. So everyone needed bachelors to be able to be hired for it. And so I thought, well, if I get that piece of paper, when I come up to that again, I won't have to worry about how that piece of paper. And I yeah, it, no, it, it removes sure. roadblocks in a way. The tough thing is that they've shown studies show that when you, whatever <laughs> your starting pay is, it influences your whole career. Like if there's a boom when you're getting out of college and you can get a better pay like base pay Uh then your whole life you're going to be benefiting from that base pay moving up and up and up if there's a recession and you have a lower base pay then you have to work twice as hard to get to get that up to where if if you graduated in a boom year so that's it's tough to say hey come out of come out of high school and work in a recession versus a boom or wait or yeah what no to do that, for that that makes sense for sure because you got a lot more opportunity when it's booming yeah oh, um yeah. well i don't know when i got out of i got kicked out and dropped out of high school and joined a carnival and we were making 28 dollars <laughs> a day so i mean that's right in line with what you're saying but yeah. um is that that's the overall goal then huh is to work for the zoos no, for me, it's Food Truck League. I I was pushing to be a zookeeper, mostly because I didn't have anything else I wanted to do. Um, and I saw what zookeepers do, and they work too hard, and they don't get paid enough. They'll go 10 years without a pay raise. And you can't blame the zoo. They're working off of grants and trying to get money to support themselves as well. But uh, most zookeepers that I knew were women, 
and their husbands had a job too, and uh. they, it was a passion for them. They wanted to work for the zoo to help work with animals, raise awareness and things like that. It wasn't to raise a family so much as like that was their passion to, to work at the zoo. Yeah, my, I mean, I would say my passion now is I want to provide value. Doesn't yeah. matter. I could go if if sh- digging ditches is the best value I can provide, then I'll go dig ditches. But and I have younger siblings that are coming into the workforce now, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do. And uh, and I always tell if if you focus on just providing the most value, figure out where you can where you can do the most good for other people, and that'll take care of your people. I don't I don't want to have to worry about trying to get this next raise or or building my income just a little bit more if i'm making good value for the people that i work for or for myself i i'll be taken care of people people will pay you for that that's good advice like i i don't know my parents kind of tried to drill that into my head and then they had enough you of my nonsense I know so I they, <laughs> yeah you can get on out of here and then <laughs> oh this carnival seems pretty sweet it was not sweet any kids out there you know if you're going to join a uh like a big uh big carnival might be worth it but the small carnivals yeah i'm sure you have some stories from it oh i got quite a few stories yeah that was uh those were crazy times yeah i got lucky with a a winter job going around traveling uh, the midwest switching out um the company had sent out pesticides the valves were faulty for like uh big farms and stuff and so we went we would go to their warehouse and switch out their their valves on their pesticide containers okay. for them and it was it was great you had to get cleared by the nsa because the pesticide could kill you like if you ingested it it'd kill you in hours it was it was serious stuff and it was the most boring work you'll ever you sit with a screwdriver you unscrew the old valve you put a new one on you screw it back in and you do it for a warehouse you know 400 times or something <laughs> yeah. um, but it was i mean it was good value for them there's no one else that would be gone for 28 days of the month out traveling doing this so it was it was great for me yeah not good for a family though no yeah yeah, yeah I, was, I was young single didn't even go to college yet i was just looking for something to do for the winter so what uh the interest in zookeeper what is your favorite type of animal oh um snakes you like I think, snakes i think snakes are my favorite probably because they scare me a little bit but yeah I've, but i've been around them long enough growing up we had cotton mouths uh they call them water moccasins too uh-huh. uh um copperheads and then grass snakes and and other kind of non-venomous snakes as well and we i grew up in a small 900 person yeah. town so um we had we had to deal with that all the time but yeah they, they freak me out a little bit but they're also so calm when you can handle them correctly uh-huh. that they're just they're just really cool yeah we uh me and that foreman i told you about during the recession one time we got wind of this thing where you could go and uh collect rattlesnakes for their venom oh yeah you know and uh, for research and stuff well they'd make the anti-venom Long story short, we spent a whole night out collecting snakes. We had a whole, you know, potato it's herping, sack. Isn't it? Huh? Herping? I don't it's know. It's out <laughs> reptiles. I had some friends at the zoo that they called it. They're like, here we go, herping again. Yeah. And they would, they'd go out and collect frogs and, and do research and stuff. But, oh, yeah. We were looking for specifically rattlesnakes, and we caught, I don't know, like four or five, six of them. 
you know, had them in this potato sack. And then the <laughs> next the day, sack. yeah, we were just out there with flashlights and then a rope through a piece of PVC and you try go. to find yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we thought we were going to make like $100 a snake. And then the best best offer we got is somebody told us if we drove to North Hollywood and dropped him off, he'd buy us a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess anybody with a flashlight could go out and collect rattlesnakes. Yeah, if you're looking to collect rattlesnakes for the venom, you got to be certified to milk them and have a dehydrating machine. Oh. <laughs> like it's a $10,000 investment. They don't want you to deliver a bag yeah, of snakes. Yeah, no. Oh, but, uh, yeah, no, I've got all sorts of money-making schemes like that <laughs> in the past. But, um, yeah, no, a zookeeper would be cool, man. Get to see all the different animals. It was fun. I really, I worked there for two or three years. It was, it was great. What, did they have, uh, like, because I know the Everglades have a huge problem with pythons. Does, like, Mobile have problems with that you got swamp out in alabama we do have swamps i don't think pythons have made it that far yet the everglades are way too perfect for for pythons for them to want to leave i mean yeah alabama's it's still got woods it's still somewhat temperate and so alligators for sure and snakes for sure but i i never heard of any python being close to us did you notice like a decrease now i drove to florida when i was like seven years old and I remember looking on the side of the road and seeing hundreds of alligators, just like you're right. saying, in a water ditch right next to the freeway. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I I saw one alligator in a year of being back in Florida. Wow. Like, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't see him a ton growing up. I know we were on a camping trip once, and uh, we saw, like, an 18-footer or something oh, man. in the water. And we went back to our tents. I was a kid, so I didn't realize... We were right on the shore, uh, 200 feet away from where we saw this thing. We're right back to our tents and went to sleep, no problem. We were, we were nuts. But, yeah, I I didn't look for any alligators when I was there most recently. We, we didn't really think of it. Um, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't noticed at all. I didn't yeah, I know, never thought about it. Like, the first time I went there, I mean, this was like not. 90 i don't know 92 or something but they were all along the freeway and then my aunt had a uh like just a man-made concrete canal in the backyard and you'd see right. them chilling back there too it's just huh. i didn't see any of this trip i know every once in a while i see a youtube video of a alligator walking across a golf course or something yeah they love they love hanging out in the water holes in the golf course I'm wondering if them swamp people came and just killed all those <laughs> alligators. Or, or they're losing habitation through, yeah. you know, growing population and stuff like that. Well, uh, we've done like an hour and 20 minutes, man. Oh, Thanks wow. for coming out. Uh, what do you want to have everybody go check out? Obviously the business. Yeah, so the, the foodtruckleague.com is our website. Um, you can type in the foodtruckleague.com slash find trucks, and that's our food truck finder. Um, it'll pull up, you know, by day of the week or by a certain date, lunch or dinner, things like that. Honestly, find your, your favorite food truck, go eat from them, tell them you appreciate them. If you have any, any food truck related events or you want to get a food truck scheduled, um, check us out. We'd, we'd love to be able to help you answer your questions. Even if we don't end up booking a food truck for you, we want to make sure you have a good experience and, and that food trucks are available. They're small businesses. We want to be able to help them out. Yeah, no, that's cool. What's the next, uh, like you said, you go to Daybreak and everything. Where's the next place 
or places people can go? So uh, Eagle Mountain, every Tuesday, we have four or five food trucks there at the Ridley's uh, Market Okay. Um, in Eagle Mountain. Um, the breweries have a bunch. We don't have a ton of events going on. If you are in an apartment building, we are kind of looking at apartment buildings because normally through the winter, uh, corporate offices are the way that a lot of food trucks sustain themselves. Okay. But people, employees still aren't back in the corporate offices as much. We have like... You know, we're way down on, on how many regular lunches we schedule. So we're thinking a good way to find these people and be able to, because they're still hungry, they're still trying to eat lunch or dinner, um, is setting up in apartment buildings. There's enough population density. If you have 300 people in an apartment building, yeah. that's the same as a 300 people in a, in a business complex. And so if you want food trucks to come to your apartments, let us know. We'd, we'd love to talk with your with your landlord or property manager and, and help set up regular food trucks. And if, if they do well, then we'll set up more than once a week. We, we'd love to, to get those food trucks. We just want to connect the hungry people with the people that want to feed them. Yeah, no, apartment buildings is pretty smart. Where can they contact you for that? So filling out a form, I think the foodtruckleague.com slash catering. Um, okay. You can, yeah, honestly, send us send us a message on Facebook or fill out a form on the website. It's probably the if if you send a text or give a call, it's easy to slip through the cracks. But mm-hmm. those are the two main ways. We're like, we have a process. We'll make sure we get back in touch with you as quick as we can to follow up and, and make sure we answer your questions. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for coming out, man. It was this good podcast. I had fun. Me too. Um, and yeah, maybe next time you guys are doing a big event or something, you can come back on. Tell everybody about the event, or just let me know, and I'll put the dates in. Be good yeah. to go. If this thing's really mobile, maybe we could get you there. I would love to go and do this right in between a bunch <laughs> of food trucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's getting there. I just got to get the power inverter for the truck. There you we'll go. We'll be good. There you go. Okay, well, thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Thank you guys for listening.